Thank you for tuning into Destiny House Church as we seek to draw closer to Jesus. We're so glad you've joined us today. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Court or one of the other anointed speakers as we pursue the Father's heart. To strengthen you daily and to lift you up daily and to encourage you daily. How many of you lately, by show of hands, have been facing a little bit of discouragement? Come on, be honest, right? That's most of us in here today, if we're being open and honest about it. It's easy to get discouraged in this fallen world, but praise God, we've got a resurrected king. And so I, I want to just share a few thoughts this morning with you that the Lord has placed on my heart. Really, really more so in the last 24 hours um, uh, than this entire week. You know, somebody... Somebody asked me the other day, or they said, they said, Pastor, I'm sorry to bother you. I'm sure you're prepping for a message right now. I said, no, I'm absolutely not prepping for a message right now. Um, I'm with Cooper as he's, you know, yelling at me and being mean, right? And, um, and, but how many of you know that's the best sermon prep in the world, is, is dealing with the trials and the tribulations of life. And uh, I don't have a set time that I sit down and I say, okay, it's Wednesday morning. Let me cram in Wednesday nights, you know, service and Sunday morning. This is a, sometimes these things take weeks or sometimes they take minutes. And it's like writing a good song. Some of the best songs um, I can only imagine by Art Miller, Mercy Me. He wrote that song in about 30 seconds. And it's the, the, the number one downloaded um, biggest selling Christian song ever and it's in the and I think in the top five of secular songs ever as well and uh, y'all know it's all about uh, what heaven's going to be like it's amazing so this morning I want to talk about um, trusting God uh, David said this in Psalm chapter 18 1 through 6 in the New King James Version he says I Will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the name of the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall it be saved from my enemies. The pangs of death surrounded me and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. And in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry came before him even to his ears. What an amazing, amazing, and that's, you know, one of the largest chapters in uh, the entire Bible. It goes on with many great things, but this morning I want to concentrate on very quickly these first three verses that remind us of who God is and that we can trust him. I bet nobody, so now I know it was raining today, but I, I bet there's very few people, maybe zero in here, where you got in your car and you hit the accelerator, whether you live five minutes away or 30 minutes away, there's very few of you, of you that said this morning, I hope my brakes work when I want to stop. <laughs> I don't know that I, I think I've had a couple of old vehicles in the past that I've said that. 
right? But most of the time, I don't think about if my vehicle is going to decide to work when I hit the brake pedal. What I'm saying this morning is some of us trust the brakes on our car more than we do the Savior in heaven. <laughs> you're, you're welcome for that. I know you're excited to just get clobbered immediately this morning. Usually I get it at least 20 minutes before I start offending people. Um, hasn't he done enough to earn our trust? Hasn't he done, hasn't he, doesn't he say, have I not earned, have I not earned your trust by taking the spikes, by taking the 39 stripes, by my beard being plucked out, by being beat, haven't I done enough for you as a body of Christ that say that you follow me as disciples? Haven't I done enough to earn your trust? The word worship, as we read here in Psalm 18, actually comes from an old English um, word that means worship. God is worthy to Worship. I've never used that word in my life, but I think we probably need some t-shirts. Because God is worth ship. He is worthy to be trusted. He is worthy to be praised. And I want to remind you guys today, and maybe even ask you the question, are you praising and trusting God before the tragic events in your life? Or are you waiting to praise God when you have a so-called Christian testimony to tell everybody else? Don't you think it would be wise to praise Him and worship Him and trust Him pre-tribulation experience? Pre-cancer? Listen to this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. 
also in the New King James Version, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves, it is a gift of God and not of works, lest anyone should boast. There's nothing that you can do physically on your own to bring salvation into your life. Salvation is an intermost choice and decisions that you are making on the inside of you before it even comes off your tongue and through your lips. Salvation is attained not merely by confessing, but by believing on the one true God that died for you. Pastor, we know all this. We know that we have to be saved to to, to have eternity with God. We know this. Well, I want to ask you today, do you really know that? Because some of us are so wayward in our thinking. We're so wayward that we there's still a part of our life that has sin in it, and we have developed this 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 in an envelope, this theory, and this theology that God is okay with our so-called little sins and little addictions compared to your old big sins and your old big addictions. And God's not okay with it. In fact, he says, I can't handle the lukewarmness of your life. I can't handle you being lukewarm. I, I can't handle it in my mouth. I've got to release that. It's something I just, it's, I can't deal with it. I'd rather you be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, it's, it's disparity and pain. If you don't trust God today, and, and really, I, I hate to break this to you, but there's only two decisions. Either you trust God or you don't. Religion would say that you can do both and you can be a content Christian and you can but, but contentment of Christ means Dad, I trust you even when you give and even when you take away. I trust you in the takeaway time in my life, God. I trust you when things are falling apart. You are my dad and I reside in your house. I don't make my life in my home. I make my life in yours. You're Do we order those Gatorades to ask for the church? Just wondering. Nothing else will work according to Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. Notice that David writes down through the answer of the Holy Spirit in Psalm chapter 18, eight metaphors. I'm going to say these very quickly. He says that God is our stability or our rock. He said God is our safety. David uses the term our fortress. He says that God is our savior. He refers to the Lord as deliverer. He said that God is, is sovereign. David refers to him as, as God. The word is, is El or El Shaddai. It refers to God as the almighty God. He says that God is our strength. And he says he's an unmovable rock. He says that God is our, our shield. That God is our security. That God is our supply. Hallelujah. And, and, and I just wonder with, with all of these metaphors. 
metaphors and, and saying he's a fortress and saying that he's a rock and, and the Holy Spirit trying to, to tell us and teach us what is holy and what is not. Why do we keep running to the world for advice? Why do you run to your doctor before you run to the physician? Why do you run to your spouse to be a support system before you run to the throne of God? Why? The answer is very simple because we simply don't trust God with all of our life. We cherry pick what we want to trust them with and the rest we try to control. You're either a control freak or a Jesus freak. You pick today. There's no, it's an A or B answer. There's no all the above or none of these. It's one or the other. I choose to be a Jesus freak even though people make fun of me. See, at 1 Samuel 17, 47 says, the battle is the Lord's. Why are you battling in things that God has not called you to battle with? Why are you always battling with your spouse, battling with your kids, battling with your church, battling at your job, battling with people? It's like we are addicted to drama all the time. It's like we're worshiping drama and trusting drama over trusting a sovereign king that freely gave up his son for us. What a area of failure on our part. I know you don't want the pastor to stand up here and tell you what a great success you are. Well, when I figure out what a great success I am, I'm happy to tell you that. But at this point in my life, my success does not add up unless it is in Christ. There's nothing good about you or me except Jesus. When you start realizing that, that you can trust God with every aspect and every period and every comma and every semicolon of your life, and you trust God with the expected and the unexpected, you will receive the supernatural. When you receive the supernatural, that means that your thoughts change, your speech changes, the way that you do things change because now you are standing in God than our sin does. 
Repentance requires you to get to the side of trusting God. You've got to live the life of repentance daily. You can't be repentant on Sunday and, and unrighteous on Monday. You can't be holy on Sunday and a jerk on Tuesday. You can't be a non-alcoholic on Sunday and alcoholic on Thursday. It doesn't work that way. Sin decays and destroys your life. And if you don't want to hear about sin anymore in this church, then I would love for you to go to another church. Because with sin remaining in the body and sin remaining in us, including me, starting with me, as sin remains, it decays. Everything from the head trickles down. The church that has fallen apart is because the pastor and the leadership fell apart first. The church didn't fall apart because the pastor was doing the right thing. The church fell apart because the pastor and the leadership were holding secrets. And every secret and every ounce of pride and every arrogant thing that is done in the body of Christ will come out publicly eventually. You want to see growth? Grow yourself. You want to see discipleship in your home? Start discipling yourself. Discipling your children. Discipling your grandchildren. Discipling the people under your roof. You want the church to fix you? That's not even biblical. Trust God. I don't trust an x-ray. I don't trust a sonogram. I don't trust a measurement on a liver. That's for somebody. Probably me. Went to the doctor a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Told the board this. Maybe you guys think it's funnier. <laughs> you laughed already. I didn't say it. It's that funny. Courts really need to lose some weight. I rebuke that doctor. I don't receive that from you. <laughs> God, I need you to heal me of diabetes, but I'm, I'm not going to let you know the way this does the donuts. Okay. All right, Court. We've got to be intentional about how we trust God. Because you can't say you trust God and you're running to everybody else for support. Good, a good counselor, a, a good person to support you is needed in the body of Christ. But it is not your end-all solution. Your end-all solution is what Jesus has already accomplished at Calvary. Your end-all solution is trusting Him daily. It doesn't matter what people say about you, think about you, talk about you. Whatever they do about you, you are established in the trust that you have that Jesus has already earned. Amen. Thank you. All right, we'll move on. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 21, verse 3, I love how it says this. This interpretation here in the voice. And it says, My stomach sinks, my gut churns with pain. As a woman in labor wrenches and rides, I can hardly bear the news. Has anybody felt that lately? Where you hear the news from a person in your life. Maybe it's in regards to your children. Doesn't that hurt the most when 
there is something happening with your kids and it feels absolutely out of control. This is what Isaiah the prophet is describing here. I can hardly bear the news. I cannot hear because I'm bent over with agony. I cannot see because I'm deep in the fog of depression. How many of you know that all these biblical characters that we read about from Genesis to Revelation are all real people? And knowing that they are all real people, that impacts us in a way that we say, you know what? They went through it and they overcame in God, so can I. Yes. Isaiah was chosen by God to deliver an important message to the Israelites. God set up his chosen, his people, for an incredible future of redemption and hope. Isn't one of our biggest fears that we struggle with in our life is the fear of bad news? I mean, this is what I contend with in my own life. This is what I've seen you guys contend with behind closed doors. Is the struggle and the fear and the pain and the churning on the inside of you of what bad news is to come. And, and I, I know this probably is not a, a great biblical example, but on Mondays, Candace and I are kind of like, it's Monday. We got hit again. Praise the Lord. See you next Monday. And we just keep moving. Does it hurt? Is there a struggle there? Is there a churning? Is there an attempt by the enemy to bring about oppression and depression in our lives? Absolutely. But we're not going to stand for it. We, we may get stunned. We may get shocked. But we're not going to stay there. We're not going to allow the enemy to drown us in fear and worry and anxiety. And neither do you need to. Why? Because your trust is in the land. Amen. Oftentimes, we harden to our pain by minimizing that very pain. Oftentimes, we are not vulnerable enough. We're trying to be stronger. The Lord simply says, it is in your weakness that my strength is made perfect. Oh, you men trying to be strong. All you men trying to be tough. All you men trying to not cry. All you men trying to just put your chest out and just fake it till you make it. There's no such thing as faking it till you make it. Either you make it in Jesus or you don't. Yes. They taught us that in Bible college, by the way. I never agreed with it, but I found myself saying it in a joking way. I couldn't even say it the other day to somebody. And I was like, that is the stupidest thing in the world. God doesn't want us to fake anything. He wants us to be Isaiah to where he is, he is saying, God, man, God, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm open to you. God, intervene. God, are you really going to be, are you really going to allow my child to be taken from me? Is that what you're going to do, God? This is how you guys need to be praying. Get honest with God. 
again? That's what I want to hear. Being real. All this religious garbage we say. All this Christian ease that we use. All this language that we've we've come up with. Most people don't even know what the word saved means. You need to tell them and make it clear you're talking about them starting a relationship when she's saved. They're thinking of some movie they've seen. But we assume they know our language. Our church language. Our little Christian fish on the back of our Honda Civics. I don't have a Honda Civic myself, but I hear they're great cars. They are. (laughs) Justify. I don't know why I said that. said to me, you are my servant, Israel, and you will bring me glory. I replied, but my work seems so useless. Does anybody feel that way that you just feel like, man, am I actually, I realize I have this title and I've done this and God has used me in this way, but God, am I really being useful this week? And God says with a resounding, yes. You're not. Useless. And Wednesday night we talked heavily about that we are not replaceable. That we as a people of God are irreplaceable to God. If you can get that down deep in your being, your life will feel so much better. Knowing that God cares for you that much. But my work seems useless. I have spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. Should I leave it all in your hands, God? I would trust God for my reward. Maybe some of us here are looking for an accolade or a reward in this world. Why? They're useless, they're meaningless. Every certificate, every trophy, every degree. I'm not taking away from your hard work, but I'm telling you that these are all worldly things that don't amount to anything after you take your last breath. There's not enough room to even print it on your headstone. Unless you want to pay thousands of dollars. Let's just talk about headstones for a second. Bear with me. You go to a place, a memorial place, you got one right next door, a great one. Over there? Not very good at geography, okay? <laughs> that is geography, right? Okay, I said that. Praise God, I almost said chemistry. Whoa, you're really, you're really slow, Pastor. <laughs> wow. And you go there and, and, and you say, hey, I, I want to prepare. <laughs> For my memorial service, I don't want my family to pay for this. I'd like to go ahead and, and, and pay for, maybe in payments, a headstone. Raise your hand if some of y'all have already done this. Come on, let's be honest. That's good. Good, 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 good. Four of you, praise God. Way, way to go on the rest of you if you're not putting that burden on your family. Praise God. All right. 
So, so you go over there and say, you know what, I, I need a headstone, I want it I want it to be affordable. And they say, okay, well you've got about a, a, a two foot by one and a half foot area, and we can fit your name, your date, and three words. And it'll be this amount of money. Am I wrong? I'm not wrong here, guys, okay? Your life and the expectation of your life should fall in line with trusting God as He knows where you're coming from, where you're going, and how you're ending, which as a Christian, we know that our ending is not an ending at all. Amen. In fact, theologically, nobody ends. That's right. I've heard this many times at funerals before I even started doing funerals many years ago, is... They're at peace with the Lord right now. Well, that's not exactly true, is it? Because if they did not die in Christ, they're not going to have any identity and an eternity with Christ. I want to show you guys a very quick video, and we'll talk about it here in just a second. Closely, that mimics 
the disciples and Jesus calling us out of the boat, compelling us to not let the darkness of this world and some of the the darkness of flesh, the darkness of the enemy try to seep into our life and overtake us. And Jesus says to me, the character of Jesus here can, you know, shown us in a, in a very contemporary structure and casual um, clothing. He says, you're letting it consume you and you don't have to. And that what we do. We make the choice to allow a lack of trust in God to consume us. And when we don't learn to trust in God in the good times, it's very difficult to learn to trust Him in the midst of the bad times. Jesus says here, don't look at it. Look at me. Look at me. How powerful and how simple of a theology that Jesus gives us. And he says, just look at me. And yet we just keep looking around at the problems of this life and this world. And we are consuming. Christians will criticize a Christian movie. But they'll be committed to watching Game of Thrones. Committed to watching pornography in a show. How many Christians, I give that example because of how many Christians I've known in my career that are addicted to shows including the Game of Thrones. But are nothing but filth and despair and wickedness. And yet we will look at somebody else and point the finger at them of their drug addiction or their homelessness or their issues while you're laying in your bed watching Netflix getting further and further away from God. He said, are you afraid? And she started to laugh and said, 
Why should I be afraid? If the sword is in your hands, why should I be afraid? I know you love me. He put the sword back and said, this is my answer. I know God loves me and the storm is in his hands. So whatever is going to happen is going to be good. If we survive, good. If we don't survive, good. Because everything in his hands, he cannot do anything wrong. Mark 9, 23 says this. Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things are possible for those who believe. You know, over the years, there has been some, some amazing, I just want to say this because it's on my heart. This is not something that I'm upset about or offended about. You know, there's been a lot of different Christian books out, Christian movies out. And we got to make sure, and a good friend brought this to my attention just the other day. How many of you know that you can hold your pastor accountable in this church? Do you know that? Absolutely. Not going to be angry, not going to be mad. I may make fun of you, but I'm not going to be mad at you. But we as a people have got to look past what we think that we know. And we've got to look deeper into what God is trying to convey to us. We are at a pivotal place in history. And I would tell you, if you do not know the foundational truths that are in the Bible, you need to be careful of the so-called foundational truths that are in Christian books. You need to make sure that the Gospels of Jesus Christ are your all in all. Every answer about your kids, every answer about your attitude, every answer about your pride and your ego and your arrogance and your sin, every single answer that you need is already written in the Word of God. He gave us a manual. Most of you have a manual in your glove box for your car. Most of you do not read that manual. In your glove box. For some of you don't realize that you're supposed to get your oil changed in your car. You may not see a problem for, I don't know, a few thousand miles. But eventually, if you do not change your oil, your car will cease to work. If you don't, do not read your Bible and you do not get time alone with God. You will lose the most important parts about God. Why? Because everything that he wants us to know about him is written in that last will and testament. We as the people, and I'm going to close with this, praise team, you guys can come up. You guys know the, the, the song, uh, most of you older folks know it way better than us younger folks, definitely folks younger than I. And I'll remind you of the words, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. 
Just to rest upon His promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. How I proved Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Did you know that today, starting right now, you can start trusting in Him more? You don't have to wait till tonight. You don't have to think further about this message. You don't have to go watch a Christian movie. You don't have to go read another book. You can choose today if you're going to start trusting God more in your personal life as it extends to your family, to your friends, to your businesses, to your workplace. Let me say this again to you because I don't know that all of you have caught this yet this morning. It is a choice just like salvation. It was a choice for you to decide if you were going to follow right. It is also a choice to know Him not only as a Savior, but Lord of your life. When you say that He is the Lord of my life, the implication for the disciple is, God, you now have complete ownership. I give you the rights to my life because you are worthy of trust. You are worthy and pray. No church is worthy. No pastor is worthy. No congregation is worthy. No church leadership is worthy. No denomination. No this, that, or the other. Only God is worthy of your praise. Only Him. And that should take the pressure off of a lot of you today if you receive this. I've been there. I've been there recently. 
for anybody else except the person right now that needs to start a relationship with Jesus. My eyes are even closed. If you're here today, you can say, I need to make that decision right now for Jesus. I want you to just put your hand up to acknowledge. You can put it right back down. I'm not looking at you. I don't see what you're doing. Nobody's reporting to me later. This is not a game. This is about your eternity. I don't care what the numbers look like at the end of the year. I don't care what the numbers are that I have to send to the Assemblies of God. These are all reports. They're insignificant. What's significant right now is if you are willing to give your life to Jesus this morning. That's all I care about. If you raised your hand or maybe you didn't raise your hand, I want us to pray this prayer together. There's not one set prayer. But it does have to be real. It does have to be a belief and it does have to be a verbal confession, the Bible tells us. That we believe on the Son of God. But if we confess Him and believe, we shall be saved. I want us all to pray this prayer together, whether you are praying it for the first time, whether you are praying it, you're coming back to the Lord today, or maybe you're already a Christian, we pray it out loud and let's support those that are accepting Jesus right now. It's over 10 or 12 people right now in this room that are coming back to God. We thank you for that, God. We thank you, Father, for that. Let us pray this prayer together and then we will go out we will sing this song and you guys can be released after the song this morning. Father God, pray this out. Let's say, Father God. Father God. I accept your son, Jesus, as my Savior. I repent of all my sins, and I ask that you clean me this very moment in your blood. I give my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me and setting me free from hell. Right now. right now. In your holy name I pray. In your holy name I pray. Amen.